Hello and welcome to Making UX Work. I am Joe Natoli. Our focus here is on folks like you doing the tough, often unglamorous work of UX in the real world. My guests share their struggles, their successes, and their journey to and through the trenches of product design, development, and of course, user experience. Before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Stash Studio, a streetwear clothing brand focused on quality products with a positive message, inspired by the resilience to turn a negative situation into a positive outcome, something obviously very close to my heart for those of you that know me. The Stash mantra is that even in the darkest times, there is a light revealing prosperity. Find your light, let it guide you through the darkness. Visit stash.studio to check out their incredibly well-designed products and learn more. My guest today is Helen Arvanitopoulos, who describes herself as a design-thinking preacher, UX evangelist, and service design advocate. Her passion and belief in collaboration and multidisciplinary approach comes through loud and clear in this conversation, and I have no doubt that the businesses and teams that she's helped over the last 13-plus years have benefited greatly from that conviction. Helen is a born storyteller, which will be obvious, and her outgoing personality absolutely shines at every turn. I truly, truly enjoyed this one. Here's my conversation with Helen Arvanitopoulos on Making UX Work. So Helen, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Joe. How are you? I'm very good. I have nothing to complain about. Oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> nor, nor do I. I definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one thing that really stood out for me and one of the reasons I was really excited about talking to you is that the very first thing in your LinkedIn profile says design thinking preacher. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's the preacher part that got me. <laughs> yep. Tell and me. Look, well, look, I'm not, I'm not someone that goes to church often, <laughs> let's <laughs> say, but um, I love, I love soulful house. Uh, so like you could call me a preacher, but uh yeah, I'm I'm a very big design thinking preacher, as you're saying, just because it's a process that I really believe in and the organization that I currently work at and the type of work that I do, design thinking has just really worked well for me within this organization and has been easily translatable uh, to digest. I work for an organization that's quite traditional, so using a simplified process like design thinking it, it just helps. It just works. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I preach it. And, uh, yes, the backbone, just because really recently it really is the, the foundation of what I'm doing uh, at where I'm working. So, yeah, preach. <laughs> very cool, very cool. So, I mean, nice. when you say it works for your organization, is there some specific aspect um, of that company's culture or the way it's organized or its team makeup or whatever where this process works particularly well in this sort of environment? Yeah, so with the organization that I work for, uh, it's a financial services uh, one. And as I said, traditional. So, you know, typical companies tend to just dive into production and building yeah. out uh, yeah. a product which you know used to work back in the day <laughs> um but when <laughs> but when you know uh you're aware of this this process and just you know that you want to do so many more things before production uh it, it's just been able to simplify that and in simple terms save us money and uh, to not waste our time so it's been the whole look i'd like to say that we do a lot of research and we 
we do and we don't, I'd like to see a bit more. But I think just that even getting a little bit of a user insight, so at that beginning, that empathy side of things is uh, very helpful. And then the ideation and the concept, that part of the design thinking process to me has really helped uh, our organisation in what we're eventually going to build. Because as I, as I said, we just, we've in the past just gone straight into production. The uh, ideation and concepting and then eventually prototyping has helped uh, our organization a lot. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I would say that middle part. So here's the interesting part to me. I mean, you said, you know, we don't do a whole lot of research. We, we would love to do more, obviously, but not really. Mm -hmm. This is this is a topic mm, <laughs> that, I know, right? is, that is very close, <laughs> very close to my heart because I have a theory. Okay, based on what I've experienced. Yeah, right. Tell me. Based on what I've experienced and based on what other people tell me. So I'm really interested to hear more about that particular comment. And it's this. Mm. I think for all that you read about and hear about in terms of user research, right? We have to we work with users, we interview users, we do face-to-face, mm. <laughs> -face, you know, all this, all mm. this that for all the lip service that user research gets, I do not believe it happens to the degree that it should in the majority of organizations. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so true, and um, that's why that's I'm not I'm not mentioning organizational names, but then sure. that's why I get uh, frustrated from you know when I when I look at my organization or even when I do look at other organizations and you go to their website and they're like you know customer centricity and well you know that they they're saying that based on well we research and we go and talk yeah. to our users and you know where I say research versus testing yeah two completely and uh, different ends of the spectrum so amen we i think we, i think we test like like so much which is great like cool awesome i'm like totally 100 percent. you should be yeah but it's the research to validate you know those tests against like oh okay look you know you could we again we could it's an argumentative uh topic and a quote that you just said but where is this information coming from for us to then eventually build something uh, like, is it obviously always from assumptions that we're just creating, but it's just, there's just not enough. Like we could sit here and say, oh, I spoke to someone or I can see this problem based on quantitative research, but you don't, you don't see the, the feeling, the emotion, the, the real understanding of how they're delivering what they're saying. And as us, as a, you know, designers, I'm sure we often say, you know, you just need to speak with five people at least. If you've at least got five people that yeah. you've spoken to, you get, a, you get a fair idea of what people are saying and, you know, it will eventually start repeating itself. It's not hard to do. No, and I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I definitely feel like uh, organizations are just not doing that enough and they should stop preaching that they do. And <laughs> well, here's another Sorry. thing. I, I totally, I, I'm, in, I'm in, I'm in violent agreement with you. I like that. <laughs> and here's the other thing: you can succeed without it. Mm. People hate when I say that. Okay, mm. I, I get the, the comments I get or the mail that I get <laughs> if I say something yeah. like this out loud is unreal. Yeah. Say it, say it. I think that you can succeed without it, and I get the sense that that's exactly what's happening. In, mm. in your organization mm, mm. there so as I said uh, around the testing side of things I think uh, people get that part of the and I don't want to say it's even part of the design thing yes it's part of the design thinking process but testing should just be a, a way of working yes 
I think you could get enough insight and understanding into people from testing because you can ask more questions, correct? So yes. you could be taking them through yes. a prototype or a concept or even something that's already exist and, you know, getting them to test out something. But then let's elaborate a little bit more on what you saw, what you, uh, how their face squinched up or the way that they were there trying to click a button for five minutes you could elaborate that a little bit more. So that's when you might dive into that sort of, let's, and I'm try, I'm doing my fingers with the inverted commas, research and, you know, get, sorry, research. But it's all about diving further into understanding. And I think that's just not what we're doing enough. We're just simply testing and not uh, asking more questions and asking why. So I'm a big, uh, you know, maybe I should change my LinkedIn a bit uh, as well to something I often, I've been preaching quite a bit. And I like, I really do say these words preaching because I'm sure you can tell by my personality, uh, I love to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think designers are uh, introverts too much, but but there are some. You're, you're in good company. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in observation, in observing. And so when I was just sure. saying then about testing, you can find out so much just from watching someone and I want to know more. So, you know, I've, I did a, I did a, a workshop at one of our conferences last year that still to this day gets talked about in the organization, which is great. And I just got people to go out into the field and I gave them an activity and a task and they did an observation study and they were, but they were blown away at what they discovered. I told them not to talk, like obviously as they were, walking towards uh, what they had to achieve and they were mm-hmm. observing there was conversation but in relation to what they had to uh, drop down uh, based on the activity they weren't allowed to talk to any people just watch people hmm. and they <laughs> were blown away they were blown away by what they what they saw but because people don't people don't stop right pause take a moment take a moment it's okay yeah. you know yeah. we're yeah. always rushing yeah, and I think that's huge. Okay, what you just described yeah. is is huge, and this is what I mean. This is kind of what I'm getting at, right? I can't tell you how often I hear, "Well, you know, we can't do any any upfront research. We're not allowed to talk to users. We're not allowed to do this. We're not allowed to do mm. that." Now, what you just described is a way uh, around that, right? I mean, mm. human behavior is human behavior to some degree, mm. right? So. If you can observe it in almost any way, <laughs> mm-hmm, you're, mm-hmm. you're still sort of ahead of the game. So yeah. I guess what I'm trying to get at in a roundabout way is I, I do not believe that that prevents you mm-hmm. from creating valuable solutions, valuable totally. products, useful products. Totally. I think that there are, there are a million ways to get that same insight. You know, you just described a couple of them, observing mm-hmm. people, um, mm-hmm. going through testing and learning from those testing sessions. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. always something there and it doesn't have to be this perfect prescriptive no. in-depth research, you know, up front. Yeah, yeah, totally. I just have to state, so I travel a lot uh, for my role too, which is great. Um, and I've, I've had the opportunity to work uh, around the world. So I'm based in Europe, but uh, you can obviously hear from my voice. I'm Australian, and, well, mm-hmm. my last name is of <laughs> Greek descent, so uh, I'm a mixed bag of goodness. How cool is that? <laughs> I know. So um, where I've said this whole observation side of things, because from my travels and from a work perspective and a personal perspective, I, I see a lot of things, and 
with with a lot of my uh, role, I don't speak a lot of the language. So observation is a lot of what I'm basing a lot of my my understanding as well from until I get to speak to maybe some of my colleagues or people who can give give me a bit more of an insight. And you'd be surprised at how much uh, I, I feel more knowledgeable when I, I come to the table based on those observations. So I was in Jakarta and we were doing, uh, we were trying to build up tribes. Uh, I, I don't use so much personas. Uh, we, could, we could elaborate on that. I tend mm -hmm. to use tribes based on communities and uh, groups of people that I tend to associate with. And I noticed the various types of people around uh, Jakarta. And, and I traveled a little bit further outside of Jakarta to other parts of Indonesia, but I was able to understand the various types of people. And when we were discussing on the type of tribes we were trying to design for, or at least take back to the organization, I felt like what I had seen versus who we were talking about were two completely different. Like, I was like, guys, am, are we talking about the same wow. uh, region? Yeah, because again, it comes back down to really taking that human-centered insight and understanding humans, how we behave versus just going off data. And I'm not ignoring data. I'm a big, I love data. Um, sure. I just really think that you need to balance that out and not just uh, be going off, you know, one side of things. Yeah, it's it's never an absolute truth. No, no. So sorry, I've uh, just uh, uh, harped on about my, my beliefs. But yeah, I've, I've just had that, uh, you know, ability to travel the world and see some things and really frame up on on some of the observations and studies that I've done. So yeah, that's what I've kind of put two and two together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the greatest things I think I've ever heard is um, Erica Hall in her book. I think it was in her book, just enough research oh, yep. said that data can't give you answers. Mm -mm. It can only tell you where to look. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, and, and I think that, and I th to me that's powerful because I think there are far too many folks in, in various disciplines who feel like, well, you know, we have analytics, we have data, yeah. and therefore we have answers. And I that's think right. that's really false. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, behavior is the truth. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's it's funny. I, I feel with uh, with what I'm about to say. Uh, I saw a comment on Twitter where, you, you know, at the end of uh, every year, Spotify brings out uh, your most uh, played music, and, it, and yeah. they have your top five songs. And um, I think someone wrote. Uh, you know, this is not true based on their top five songs. And then someone responded with like, it, it's data, it, it's right. And <laughs> you know, like, it, like this person was like, Spotify was collecting your data. How can it, this be wrong? But like, now that we would, we're just discussing what we're discussing, there's, 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 it's like a double-edged sword where yes, that is truth to the sense of the data collected based on, you know, she or he probably listened to those songs a thousand times. I mean, right. maybe they just had an interest, but I'm sure that's probably not their favorite song or genre just because, exactly. in, you know, so this is a thing you can, you can understand something from the data to a point, but it really doesn't have that depth. It doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. I loved how you just said that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean it's reflective of, no. of some, what's the word I'm looking for? Some absolute truth. Exactly. Right? This is your favorite music. Well, yep. no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've just got an obsession for this month and I'm going to repeat it over and over again. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's a tremendous example. Exactly. A tremendous example. Yeah. I really, I, I found that really interesting when I read that comment and I thought, hmm, hmm makes sense. So, yeah. <laughs> it's looking in the wrong place for the wrong 
truth, I think, for the wrong yeah. answer. Yeah. Another thing I'm curious about, because you, you we started out talking about design thinking, and, and again, because you mentioned it specifically um, in your profile, design thinking gets a very bad rap in a lot of circles. Sure. Which I kind of don't agree with, mm-hmm. uh, but instead of injecting my opinion, I'm curious to hear why you think that is, mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe, like, why is it seen as this... I don't know if it's seen as not fully legitimate somehow or mm-hmm. people are mad because companies are embracing it without designers present. I'm not really sure what the deal mm-hmm. is, what everyone's mm-hmm. so bent out of shape about. But what do you think that's about? My my head is doing that meme <laughs> where it's got all the algebra <laughs> going around. No, it's in a good way because I'm like, uh, how do I digest what my brain is saying? What, from experience, uh, I think it comes down to time. Uh, I'm just really nailing on that one just based on time because, Mm -hmm. again, I I work for a very big organization that time is, everyone somehow does not have time. (laughs) And they want it yesterday. Right. The urgent always trumps the important. Yeah. So when you see, you know, again, design thinking is like a five-step process. They're like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) that's a lot of steps. (laughs) (laughs) Five? Five? What do you mean five? I know, but then it's even like when you explain the design sprint, which went, which was when you say to them, "Let's, we've got to do a five-day workshop." <gasps> do I have to yeah. be there the whole? Yeah. Uh, it, it's again, it comes down to time, <laughs> and it's like, that's, then that's reality, right? It's just so unbelievable how people react to time, and they just like on the grand scheme of things. Again, I I, I often argue and challenge and question my organization when we talk about um you know long-term versus short-term goals even so i think design thinking gets that bad rap based on time because of the number of steps and then also a thousand times i've been told to constantly say people are just not educated enough on what design thinking is and they you can sit there and ask how many people have heard of design thinking there'll be probably now these days the room will probably put all put their hands up but to explain what it is, they still don't know. And they don't yeah. understand the concept of the importance of it. They know it, but they don't understand it. And I think, you know, time, understanding, knowledge, um, uh, they just don't see the benefit from that from that point. But it's not. But here's the thing, right? I mean, mm. I, I get the part about time, right? Because that's, that's been a refrain <laughs> for almost 30 years for me, um, <laughs> companies I work with. And I totally get it. But it, to me, design thinking as a process and in terms of, of implementing it and getting everybody sort of involved, to me, it's a hell of a lot leaner oh. and faster and and more efficient totally. than a lot of things I've seen. Totally. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I'm not so much reacting even to companies saying they don't want to do it. I, I'm reacting to UXers and designers and, you know, some people who have some degree of expertise in these fields saying, well, design thinking is nonsense. I kind of <laughs> don't get that. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, why not? I mean, why wouldn't you do this? Yeah. Why, 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 why isn't it beneficial to get everybody in organization thinking along the lines of design thinking? Because to me, you know, forget about the formal definition. Mm. To me, that in and of itself, the fact that we are actively thinking about <laughs> yeah. value, thinking about applicability, about relevance, yeah. um, thinking about design, like how yeah. on earth is that a bad thing for anybody? You know, 
Joe, I wanted to pull something up from what you just said. And I, I really yeah. believe, you know, where you said about team and collaborations and then how you're staying around designers. I think, and when I say this, based on my role, I, I work with various teams, various individuals, uh, various functions um, and, and, and skill sets. So I think designers, us as designers, um, I think we're like snobs in the sense of, <laughs> <laughs> and I say this when um, it's like, and, and yes. so yeah, and I think that's what it is. Where I, I really, and I'm, I'm not saying this just because we're talking and to 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 put myself on a pedestal or something, but I really believe that designers have been put in this little area, the design lab, the designs part of the business, and they just work, you know, individually or in a, at least in a design just with other UXs, UIs. Uh, service designers maybe, but not so much as collaborating with the other parts of the business and even understanding C-level. I'm at that uh, position in my organisation where I really have to talk to the C-level, the C-suite, the business yep. to understand the problems and I and I need to get in. So I think there's that where, where the thinking argument comes into play is they just – see that as like a, a as well as a business process that oh there's just a you know again even going back to that time there's just a time thinking uh, time wasting thing for me I don't say time wasting just takes up my time when yeah. I again designers and and I'm, I'm sure I was probably like that maybe uh, let's say over six years ago when I was a sure. bit more of a UX UI designer and just you know sitting at my at my desk and you're just going yeah I'm right I know this this is what this is yeah, how it is yeah 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 yeah. And I think we've become those, uh, you know, I'm using that word snob, but it, uh, it's just uh, we think we know we know it all. Well, you exist in a bubble to some degree. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, as well from a, uh, a designer perspective, I think we, we need to take a step back as well. And I've often been pr- saying a, a few talks that I've done as of late, we need to understand the real b- business problem as well. And when I say business, not just the problem at heart, like what are we trying to solve? But why are we? Why are we trying to solve this? Why haven't? Why hasn't the organisation been able to solve this? Or why haven't companies been able to solve this? What? What? What is it that we're doing wrong? And then taking yeah. a look, and then so that's when you know you're looking at my my profile. I I really play into that whole service design to really start looking at the organisation as well, because again it all comes together collaboratively. I don't want to work individually. Trust me, it's great working by yourself sometimes because you don't have anyone distracting you, but I can't be the best designer that I could be if I'm just doing things on my own and I'll never learn. And I think I've gotten to where I've gotten to based on the people around me. And that is so important. Um, if you know anyone wants to ever be a designer, again, in inverted commas, however you see mm-hmm. that, you really need to collaborate with so many parts of the business. So that's why if we go all the way back now to the the quantitative and like think about data and analytics, that's why I get frustrated with uh, analytical teams who, you know, try not to collaborate or, you know, we're not working together because they have so much great info and we do too. And we really should be working together, not um uh, you know, working separately. So absolutely, I think, yeah. So sorry, I bounced a little bit around. No, that was great around the world, but um, that's really where I where I think there's that uh, misconception of why design thinking might not be seen as a as a greater good. <laughs> no, I think that's all accurate, and I yeah, think cool. you only get 
you know, 50, 60% of the solution when you're working that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I discovered this earlier in my career and I, and I discovered it, you know, like a lot of things by, by screwing up and, mm -hmm. and sort of getting your ass handed to you yeah. more than a couple of times. But I realized that if I didn't bring those people in, right, the, the yeah. executives, people, um, you know, owners, uh, people in, in marketing, people in sales, people in operations, if I didn't speak to any of those people, I was missing huge, huge parts of what needed to happen. And that yeah. always came back and bit me in the ass later. Yeah. 100%. Um, and, and I've been on a mission in particular this last year, last year in particular, it really was like, okay, this is, this is like my reason for being right now, mm. which is, which is to say that you extras and designers, you need to bring those people into the process. You need mm -hmm. to get rid of this us versus them mentality. Yeah. Yeah. You need to cut the bullshit and have a conversation with mm -hmm. these folks, mm -hmm. okay? Because what you need is what they need. And you cannot, no matter what you believe, you cannot do it without them, mm -hmm. okay? It's not possible. So I totally, again, <laughs> I'm in violent agreement with everything that you're saying. I was, I was trying not to do the church and go, preach, amen, uh, amen. I'll do it. That's what we're doing. That's yeah. what we're doing here. Um, two preachers. Amen. I love it. I we love it. Two preachers on the same program. I um, love it. I just think it's tremendously important. Okay. Mm -hmm. We need to let go of this idea that, you know, we, we hold the keys to the kingdom. We don't, mm. our job is to, our job is to bring everybody together. Our job yep. is to find out. Totally. Yeah. And it's funny cause I'm, I'm working on uh, my strategy at the moment and it's really, it's shedding a lot of light because what you've just sort of said, and what I'm not even just writing right now is just that typical word of what is design and how much that's evolved. And yeah. right now, if we talk about uh, designers, again, UX, UI, all, all those that fall under that branch, our role has evolved in how we work as well, where we're not just sitting, putting the pretty picture or the flow together. It's really collaborating to make sure that every part of, of an organization or every touch point or every uh, interaction, you know, has gone through the company and certain people to make sure it is the right, the right, I don't want to say right way, but to the best of what we think as, yeah. as a group, uh, how it should be. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's really evolved. And, and I love that. Like, I think a lot of people could argue as well that, you know, they're purists, meaning I'm a purist of a UI designer, I'm a purist UXer. But I think having that knowledge um, of various uh, understandings from, from me, that's definitely helped me uh, be a better designer. Um, so I'm all for it, totally. Yeah, I think it's huge. And facilitating all that, I think, is part of the job as well. And I think people mm. forget that. I saw a tweet, I think it was yesterday. Was it yesterday or this morning? I can't remember where somebody said, I'm realizing, realizing that my entire job is asking people whether they've talked to other people. <laughs> you can't help but laugh at that, can you? <laughs> you, you got to love Twitter sometimes. They come out with I, the good. It, it, was, it was fantastic, right? Because that's the thing. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had in my life yeah, where yeah. someone's going, well, you know, they, they just, they're doing this and I don't understand why. Like, rah, 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 and you say, yeah. well, have you talked about this with them? Yeah. And, and you get nothing, you get silence. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> my, my favorite is, uh, oh, we spoke to uh, like a group of people like five years ago 
and we've got some documentation somewhere. Like that's my favorite like, on top of yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I know. <sighs> it's like, oh dear, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. It's, it's unreal. I mean, it, it's like there are these artificial boundaries mm. all over the place and, and people don't cross them for some reason. Mm, mm. Now I think, I think part of the problem, well, maybe not part of the problem, but one thing that, that sort of chafes me a little bit, um, more than a little bit. <laughs> I'm treading carefully here. I'm treading carefully here, but, but one of the, the sort of backlash versions of this is this idea that everybody is a designer. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I have huge, massive problems mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. I sort of get mm-hmm. the sentiment behind it. I think it's the wrong way mm-hmm. to communicate that. Yeah. Yeah. Any before I go any further, any thoughts about that? Preach. No, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Um, <laughs> loving it. Mate, <laughs> mate. <laughs> mm. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um because yeah. No, it's just not. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and, and you know, I'm sort of afraid to to go. Yeah, no, I know. I'll be here all day. Yeah, it's so true. Um, oh God, I, I'm, I think there's a way to say that. Okay, I think yeah. there's a way to communicate that without denigrating the expertise and skill that's involved and uniqueness. Okay, yeah. that it takes. To be a good designer, yeah. uh, a good UXer, a good whatever, yeah. right? That that is some of that is a very unique skill set, and not everybody has it. Yeah, yeah. I get that everyone's input matters, right? Everyone's direction yeah. matters. It goes along with what we were just saying, right? You need all those other people in the business. You absolutely need their collaboration and input in order to, to yeah. make the thing the best it can possibly be, and the most useful, usable, valuable it can possibly be. Yep. I get all that. But but saying that you know everyone is is this to me is like ah oh, come on you're not helping no right? that, that's not helping anybody no there's there's a better way to do that yeah I I, I feel like what I want to say might uh, rock the boat a little bit but you know what go for it yeah <laughs> I love it I think a lot of people are lazy lazy in the sense that they don't want to put in that effort. And, it, and again, it comes down to where we were even talking right at the beginning is it doesn't, you know, people want to use these excuses like, oh, it costs money and I have to like, you know, jump through all these hoops. It's like, no, no. Yeah. And really is like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm from Australia. I live, in, I live in Amsterdam now. I didn't get here because it was handed to me. I worked my ass off to get here. Yep. And it wasn't handed to me on a plate. Like, and that's because I put in the work. I wanted to put in that extra work to get to where I am. And I wouldn't be here if I just sat down on my seat. And well, I don't even have a seat, to be honest. I don't have a desk. It's because I'm, <laughs> I'm, but I don't. And it really, and that's what I, so when you, when someone says to me, especially when I work with different countries within my organization and they, and they say everyone's a designer or some new UX, UI, whoever you want to call it today. And then it's like, they're sitting at their desk. I'm like, mate, I I can't remember the last time I sat I sat down. <laughs> if you're sitting at your desk, you're not designing shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The di- design part comes at the end of the process, buddy. And I'm not sitting. 
I didn't care if I, I have to get, I, but it's true. I didn't care if I have to get my, my Google Translate out. And when I'm in these other countries, you know, you, there's so many different, like, oh man, I remember I was in Turkey once uh, and I communicated via Google Translate with someone just to have a con- conversation. And I was there for an hour backwards and forwards on Google Translate. Wow. I'm not lying to you. Amazing. If you want to put in that effort to, it's not even about finding answers or stuff like that. Or, you know, you want to communicate, you can do it. I really think that, you know, people have become so lazy or want to put the blame on other people that things don't get done or we haven't done it yeah. this way. It's like, yep. um, you know, so no, not everyone is a designer because, well, those designers who have put in that work to achieve the, what they've achieved, they've, they've really, like, I don't want to say that word hustle. It's just, but they put in that effort. That's the word, effort. Yeah, I, I watched the Jake Knapp video because um uh we're doing a to become a, a design sprint facilitator like i, I already do a thousand design sprints but i think we all want a certificate <laughs> it's mm. always great to add a certificate and the, it, it intros with his uh video as to how he created the design sprint and this guy definitely didn't sit down <laughs> yeah right you know Absolutely what i mean right. and yeah. you just hear his story and you're like yes he did not sit you know, and he wouldn't have created this if he just, you know, sat behind a desk. And I'm not saying you have to, you know, have to get up and do everything. It, it, it's putting that expression as in doing stuff. And that's what I'm trying to get at is, you know, when you say why we haven't got these sort of insights or we haven't done this, it's because people are lazy and just want somebody else to do it or just don't see it uh, as important or valuable. Yeah. And well, really, I'm sorry, but no, it, it is. And yeah. That's no, there's always a way. There's always a way. And, 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 you know, that guy's a perfect example. Yeah. Right? He was dissatisfied yeah. with what he saw. And, and yeah. there are people all throughout history like that, right? Who are saying, this is, this is not as it should be. And damn it, there has got to be a better way. Mm. And that's how it happens. So the word you use is the right word. It's effort. Mm. Right. I always say c- complaining is easy. Yeah. Right? Complaining about something, bitching about something is easy. Yeah. It is hard to get off your ass <laughs> yep, totally. and, and make something happen, you know, yeah. and, and say, well, all right, well, how do we go about doing this? And you can waste a lot of time wishing things were perfect, you know, wishing that you could do all the things that, um, you know, that, that designers are supposed yeah. to do or UXers are supposed to do, researchers are supposed to do. Mm. The world isn't going to wait for you. No. you know, your company's not going to wait for you. Totally. Your customers aren't going to wait for you. Yeah, Totally. Um, it's, it's, and it's good that you said that, uh, cause when I did get hired at my organization, I guess, uh, within, uh, the, the team that we were building, uh, as you said, I, I am a design thinking preacher, but, you know, user experience, uh, based from my background working from, you know, digital design, web design into visual user experience for, on a, on a, from a digital perspective is, you know, I guess I say my bread and butter that got me to where mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. So when we were forming um, our teams, I, again, I've moved over to the Netherlands and they don't know what UX is, right? And so they're like, well, show us, build, build that. So that's what I'm just trying to get at as well is, you know, I had to create that on, uh, you know, from my experiences, what I think it should be based on, what I'm seeing and how other great organizations have achieved it, but then as well, making it our own based on who we are. So yeah, um, that was really interesting as well. So just to give that insight into creating something. Yeah. And I think it, it permeates, I mean, to me, user experience permeates 
everything. It, mm. it kind of doesn't matter what your what your title is. And you know, yeah, when I course. look down when I look down your your list of of you know gigs on on LinkedIn, for example, I mean you've got a pretty varied mm. uh, resume there. Mm. But the thread through all of it, whether you're talking about design or art direction or you know UX, yeah. to me that thread is is sort of you know all the same. It, it all informs. Mm. what you do and, and why you do it mm. for you. Like from, from the time you started, all right. Yep. To now, mm. how much I'm trying to think of the right word. All right. And I can't come up with the word I want. The closest I can get to is consistency. Um, yeah. How much consistency was there in the way that you approach what you do in the way that you're thinking about, okay, what I want is, is mm. this, what I want to achieve is this, or what I want this job to be like, yeah. or what I want my role to be, or, or how I want to go about doing it. How much has that changed from the time you started to now? I think I think when you first start out, like uh, if we went all the way back to the beginning, but just to briefly touch on it, it was I was a graphic designer. Like I started when I left mm-hmm. school, I did graphic design. So print was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was all, always just I loved when I say building things, uh, just using, you know, my mind and my hands. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when I say hands with, you know, the, the mouse at that time. But when I got into more of the past the junior level, um, there was a moment, uh, and it all comes back down to your personality. I think your personality reflects a lot on then who you end up becoming as a, what type of worker or what you do, you know, working. For me, anyway, it is. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a talker. Like, when I say that, it just means I like to communicate with people and I just like understanding how people think. And that's just mm-hmm. me as a person it's got nothing even to do with my career um and I think the more that I was uh working at these companies and then also on the side at one point I did work for myself I saw that I loved yeah I loved uh, just understanding people's problems like okay well why are you trying to you know if if, an, if a company came to me and said I want to build a website back in the days of you know just pure web design what are you trying to achieve what type of people do you want yeah. coming to your yeah. site what do you want them to why? walk away from exactly and I think that was what um that was the consistency that kept uh, me going in this in the types of roles that I wanted to do is always being able to balance uh businesses and and people uh and people so I wrote an article last year about that where and, and then I used that the whole design thinking process so touche that we're going back to design thinking but it's balancing you know, and when I say business, just really understanding when someone's approaching you with a problem that they want to solve, like, so that could be, and even just a family owned business. And then to the people, so the people who are going to effectively engage or interact with you or your company or your brand. So that was the consistency, like without really even looking at it now, but now that you've just asked me that question, I think it was just that always uh, being able to have that communication with company so I could talk to them to understand the problem to then deliver something I never just wanted to sit down and just you know be told okay do this and then execute like yeah that was to a point back when I was younger but now it's yeah really framing up that um, problem and, and understanding and delivering and and then being able to tell a story I'm a, uh, I could talk about things for it take me an hour to explain something I'm a storyteller yeah <laughs> I, I think that's us as designers, you know, trying to tell a story. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's what it's about. Absolutely. When I when I had my own firm for about 
10 years. We had a whiteboard. It was, it was an open, sort of more of an open, open office space. And we had an area mm-hmm. um, where we used to have meetings was essentially couches <laughs> and a table yeah, and a whiteboard, sure. even with clients, because I wanted things to be, you know, sort of relaxed and conversational and, and sort of have clients, particularly when they came in, just be relaxed, right? But I remember, and I got, I got it from somebody else, so I can't even take credit. Um, but one of the things I wrote up there, and it stayed there for as long as we were in the space, uh, was in red marker, I wrote at the very top of the whiteboard, I wrote, tell a compelling story. Mm. And I heard, again, I heard that from somebody and, and I really took it to heart. I'm like, that's exactly it. Everything you're trying to do <laughs> in terms of yeah, design, um, putting something forward to people, you're trying to tell a compelling story, right? One way or another. Yeah. Why, why is this valuable to you? Why does it matter to you? Why will it help you? How will it help you? How will it guide you? How will it allow you to get from point A to point B? Whatever the case may be, in just about any aspect you can think of, in terms of, of designing and building and putting products of any kind out into the world, there's a story there. And if the story is no good, nobody cares. If the story isn't relevant, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I absolutely love that you said that. I don't know if you ever used to watch Mad Men. I've never seen it. Oh, do me a favor, uh, whether it's after this talk and just look up on YouTube, the, the Kodak, it's the the last episode of the first season. Mm -hmm. The, code, the Kodak pitch, and uh, Don Draper, he he tells this story trying to sell to Kodak, and well, obviously, he, he uses Kodak meaning the camera, and he showcases these pictures. It is the most beautiful pitch because he's telling this story, and I'm just in tears when I watched wow. it. It's just so mesmerizing, and it's just that. Like, you you don't even realize that you're, he wasn't even selling. He was just telling the story, but people could relate. And it comes all down to that emotion and that empathy. Again, design thinking is just having that emotional understanding of people, humans. We're human at the end of the day, you know? Um, And I I don't know if you read the book Sapiens, but where we just love like the basis of as well, this book as well is uh, about how, us as humans, we love gossip. So if you re- translate that back to storytelling, it is you. You just want to hear stories. Yep. You want to hear gossip. So it's just uh, yeah, we're so intrigued if we if we if we're hearing a good story. So yeah, I agree with that. And, and I think you know back to one of your earlier points actually about effort and, and maybe laziness. Um, it's hard to tell a good story, you know, in terms of when, mm. you, when you're, you're pitching or marketing or advertising or, or mm. whatever it is. And I experience this with my own stuff, right? When I'm, I'm mm. selling, you know, courses or a book or a, mm. um, I've got a membership site that I'm working on now. It, the oh. hard part for me is always, I don't ever, you, you never want to just say like, Hey, here's this cool thing, you know, come spend your money. To me, I always think like if I was on the receiving end of this, right. I, I want to know why it matters to me. I want to know mm. what it's going to help me accomplish. I want to know sort of the humanness behind it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when yeah. I sit down to, to, to think through promotional copy or, or whatever, I'm always thinking about what's the story here? Mm. What happens as a result of using this? What challenges, what am I going through right now that if I, if I tried this out or if I used it, would it help me do? And that story has to be true. It has to be meaningful. Yeah. Um, and it has to yeah. be honest. It has to be relevant. Yeah. You know, otherwise totally. you're just another. And I think that that goes 
it feeds into product development as well because you realize that whatever mm-hmm. it is that you create really does have to deliver something that has meaning, you know, yeah. that has depth. Yeah. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just it's a, a wallet grab, you know. Yep. Yep. And um, I think that wears I think that wears thin, and it doesn't have any longevity. But I also think it's hard to do that. It takes effort. Yeah, totally. And I love that you said meaning because been using that uh, design for meaning, uh, and it's like. So deep. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Deep. What is it? What does it mean? But it is. It's just exactly everything that you just uh, just spoke about. Now, it really is that when you're designing for meaning, the world has evolved now. What we have an expectation for. So I heard uh, someone mentioned this uh, recently, and again, I used it in the talk that uh, back in like the seventies and eighties. Organizations or companies, like you could say, say Microsoft and Hewlett Packard, say they would create a product or something, and and everyone would be like, "Oh, wow, we've got to go out and buy it." Now it's a flip of the coin. Yeah. But now we have an expectation of what we expect companies to deliver to us. So this is what we're saying: is when you're when these companies, organizations, uh, businesses, brands are creating something. What does it mean? What does it bring me? Well, what does it bring to someone? You know, and it's you know that meaning. What does it mean to someone? Because now, you know, people really want it to. When I say touch them, just like it has to mean something to them. I was like, people aren't just going to buy stuff now these days, especially with how the world is just uh, becoming the way that it's becoming. Yeah, yeah, yes. People will, when we say invest in something that will serve a purpose, uh, is valuable to them, and um, yeah, will make them feel good, not just you have to buy it because it's uh, the thing to do right. now because, of, you know, you know, it's changed. Right. The pitch has to be, it's got to be deeper. You know, I mean, like mm. I think about loyalty programs all the time mm. because most of them are nothing of the sort. Yeah. <laughs> right? There is no reward for loyalty. There's nothing mm. that says we appreciate you as a human being. We appreciate the fact mm. that you have been loyal to us for this period of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're actually going to give you something right? That's honest. That doesn't have a string attached to it Mm. to say, thank you for that. No company to my knowledge is really doing that. No. And I think that is a massive, tremendous, a huge, whatever hyperbolic uh, adjective (laughs) I can add in there. It's a tremendous missed opportunity. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'd have to agree with you. Okay. Because people will bend over backwards for you if they think that you give a shit about them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how hard is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving, yeah, totally loyalty programs. Oh, kills me. But then how many loyalty programs have you signed up to? Because I'm sitting here going, geez, I've signed up to quite yeah. a few. And yep, here I am still still trying to collect points. Right, but if, but if they actually gave you something, right, yeah. you, you would sort of pay yeah. more attention. I mean, I have a lot of frequent flyer miles, for example. Yes, yeah, so do I. Um, on Delta. Mm. Now, I just tried to book a short trip to Arizona, right, which is mm-hmm. not that far. And I'm thinking it's a social, partly a social um, trip. So I thought, well, okay, I'll use some miles. Mm. The convoluted combinations of math required (laughs) to use the miles of which I have more than enough (laughs) made me so angry. I wanted to break something. I thought, you have to be kidding me. I can imagine. You have to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's rigged. It's a game. Yeah. Okay. It's It's a game in that even though you've accumulated more than enough to do all this stuff, you can't really do it because... 
all these little details have to be exactly lining up. And then, oh, hey, the return trip, actually, see, what we do is we double the available miles when we like it's. Yeah, un- it's such a shame. Uh, you know what? I'm automatically looking at other airlines right now. I've, I've had a similar experience regarding miles and wanting to fly home at the end of this year. And I thought, well, I, I know my date so I could start kind of planning ahead. Yeah. And yeah, and I've got, I, I travel that much for work that I, I know I, I have enough. And I mean, complexity to, <laughs> to the 1000. I'm just like, wow, how do you get it so wrong? And yeah, yeah. yeah it's just a shame because missed opportunity and, Exactly. And I'm not just agreeing with you, but yeah, I've been looking at other airlines based on on that experience. And it's a shame. Um, Yeah, I don't know what to say to that. (laughs) I feel like somebody I feel like one of these airlines could rule the world Mm, mm. if they just said, you know what, here's how it works. Straightforward. You got this many miles, Mm. you can fly this many miles. That's it. Yeah. End of story. Right. It's that simple. It's it's that's all there is to it. I feel like you really could own the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's my problem because the story, back to this, the story that's being told to a loyal customer is we don't care about you. We don't care about your money. We don't care about your business. It does not matter to us that you fly yeah. our planes. Now, we say that out loud in our advertising. Yeah, of course. Our customers are the most important. You know what? You can talk all day long. Yeah. A story doesn't have any meaning unless it's based in truth. Yes, well. Going, but then going back, yes, well, coming full circle, totally agreeing with you. Yep. Yep. And I I don't know if that's ever going to change, but you sort of feel like it should, you know, I, because I've seen plenty of examples um, with newer organizations in particular, right? Younger Mm. companies, Mm. I think, do a much better job of of treating people the way that they want to be treated. But but then what seems to happen is <laughs> one of the behemoths I guess, I guess. one of the behemoths says, "Hey, we got to get us some of that." So then they buy them, yeah, and then they fuck it up. <laughs> I love that you said that. I know all the the new one becomes a big one and then just ends up becoming right. one of the old. You know, yeah, totally. Um, I agree with you there. Seriously. <laughs> Well, they'll keep us in 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 work, won't they? Yeah, right. Plenty of jobs to go around. <laughs> <laughs> I say that all the time too. I, I I tell my dad all the time. It's like you know, if 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 things worked the way they were supposed to, I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can laugh at it now. <laughs> uh, at the same time, you know, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I I love everything about this. You know, even. Mm. Uh, as, as, as tough as some of these things can be, I, I think it's one of the design and UX and all the, all the, the things surrounding it, everything we've talked about, um, today, yeah. all that to me is, is still tremendously exciting and interesting and, yeah, and totally. I love the challenge of it. Oh yeah. Oh, you, you're using keywords that are really doing me. It's great. It's turning me on. No, I know. Sorry, guys. But it's true. I can't help it because you know we could. I I love that you just. I could complain to the cows come home. I don't know if you use that uh, expression. Yeah. To the cows. So you know, as we are, we we we've sort of harped on and complained to a point, and you know it's part of our work. Uh, but, uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I wouldn't be doing it. And I wouldn't be saying that I, you know, as I said, I love solving problems for people. Um, 
and make, trying to make things better. And but as as I often say as well, and I preach it, is design is never finished. Yeah. So that's why we're constantly, you know, continuously doing what we're doing um, because it's never finished. It'll never be finished because even if you think about all these products uh, or services that we've spoken about, uh, obviously we haven't mentioned too too many brands but they didn't start off uh i mean they don't exist the way that they exist now back when they started they've evolved right. and that's the whole beauty of the world the world does evolve and sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad it's you know um but you just got to take it for what it is and it's interesting to see <laughs> so yeah no it's really great to be i love being a part of this uh where this world is going in, in a sense yeah there have to be there there always have to be people around um sort of mm singing that song you know preaching um reminding mm. <laughs> everybody that hey yeah. we, you know we can be better at this i mean my father yeah. my father was an engineer at general motors i mean for his entire career right process engineer and, oh and wow i remember him saying this to me at a very early age like probably when i was in high school in that historically i mean the reason american car companies could have owned the market in a way that they just never have mm. fully had they embraced what was happening when foreign automakers entered the picture in particular when Japanese automakers mm. uh, started, you know, rolling out cars. Mm. One of the things that, that GM did, believe it or not, is they actually sent the engineers to different, to seminars. They traveled in some cases over uh, to Japan to see how they do things. And my dad told me, he's like, you know, here's what, what we came back with when the, the Japanese do something when they design something, right? And it goes into production and they sort of treat it as sort of like a, a you know, a beta and they see what happens, right? This works, that didn't work. Um, this could be better. And what they do is they improve those parts of, of whatever it is. And then they roll it out again. Mm. By contrast, what he told me is that what, what the American automakers did and have done for, for quite a while, I think it's different now, um, but for a very long time, the approach was, if there was a problem with something, they scrap the whole thing and start over again. Wow. Instead of building on the parts that work, right? And, yeah. and tweaking and changing and making small incremental improvements, continuous improvement, mm. they would just sort of quit and start again. So you're introducing a whole new mm. set <laughs> of variables and, and, and potential issues and to work through. And it drove him insane, you know? Yeah. It drove him insane because he was, I mean, he's more quiet about it, but to me, he's a preacher you know, like, like we are, he cares a <laughs> cool. great deal, right? He always cared a great deal. It's that you're caring. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's an important component. Totally. I don't believe this is getting off where I was going, but who cares? <laughs> I firmly believe that like when people say things like, well, it's business, it's not personal. No, nah. <clears throat> I kind of don't buy that. I, I think, I think that you, if you're good at anything, it means you care about it. And if you care about it, I, I think, think it sort of has to be personal <laughs> yeah of course of course <laughs> you know i mean and talking to you i certainly get the sense that, that that's maybe where you are as well yeah 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 no totally i my you know i often get told i um because i'm i'm a passionate person no no you wouldn't think it ain't <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but I can't help it. Um, but that's that's the human in, in me. But then I wouldn't be doing what I do and I wouldn't believe in what I'm trying to achieve if I wasn't passionate. Me just, you know, it's not even about waking up, going to work, like going to the office. It's not, it's, it's, I really 
love what I do and what it evolves. Like it's not even just about, you know, because some people who sit there and say, you might be you work for a bloody financial services industry. It's like, it's not exactly the most enticing, but it's not even about that. It's about everything that goes with it, what I'm trying to do within this organization. And that's what I love. And yeah, if you don't, if you don't have that passion, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like you're saying about your dad, there's no point. And I think it comes down to as well, like if, when I when I hear as well, we just trying, we'll start again instead of doing like incremental changes. It's just like they just don't care. Yeah. It's like I just want to fix these little things because I know it'll improve this to this point, and then from these small little incremental changes, it'll create twenty big changes that turns into this one big change. And then we can eventually, it, it evolves, hence that evolution conversation we were just having before. But, yeah, there's got to be that care factor, and I just don't think there's a, there's a lot of care factor too because at the end of the day, to some people, it's just a job. Uh, for me, it's not. It's a, it's it's part of my, uh, who I am. Like when I, uh, again, I'm sorry to keep going back to even just the, my life, you know, as in living here in the Netherlands versus when I was in Australia, um, but who I am is part of what I do. Yeah. And if I didn't believe in it, it just wouldn't be me. And I think it just really shows in from that, you know, personal side of things. And then in uh, what I do from a, let's, you know, again, inverted commas work perspective, but it really is. I think I'm, I've just, I've, I've evolved into that one person where I don't see work as a, as work. I, I go somewhere every day of the week, but I don't see it as work. It's just, it's part of me. Yeah. What do you think prevents people from maybe allowing themselves to some degree to be personally Mm. invested in what they do? Uh, hmm, Yeah, good question. I think, uh, look, I'm just, I don't want to say I'm just guessing off the top of my head, but it's a a tough question because it's it's got, it's quite broad in the sense of why I think people really just like to differentiate uh, what they do, let's say, you know, Monday to Friday, I'm just using that. Some people might not work a Monday to Friday week, but they really just don't want to be seen as that. Um, they, they they feel that they are so much more, like they mm-hmm. might be a mm-hmm. uh, a surfer on the weekend or they do that or they're a, a rider, I don't know, um, and they'd rather be seen as that. But then I can really think that you could incorporate your personality into some of the works that you do doesn't mean like it could be completely opposite of what you like to do, but that doesn't mean that you should uh, not kind of bring, I'm not saying that, you know, you've got to be a stockbroker broker surfing on a wave, (laughs) but it just means, you know, you shouldn't have to, you know, that's who you are, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. I don't know. I'm proud of who I am when I'm not, you know, again, inverted commas working, but it show, I, I, I like to talk about it too, you know, uh, of, of what I maybe where I went to on the weekend, if I went to another country or if I did a certain sport or, you know, I think it reflects who I am. Um, I really like uh, going to the gym, but a lot of people can see that in the type of person I am because I'm dedicated. I'm, I put that effort in and I'm, you know, I like to see when I say results, like there's no point for me, you know, I don't go to the gym to lose weight. I go because I like to be, you know, fit and healthy mm-hmm. And to feel good about myself, and if you translate that even into for what I do for work, it's you know I'm dedicated to it to my cause, and I want to see an outcome, um, whether that's you know okay weight loss or feeling good or you know looking a certain way. Yeah. You know. So is there? Do you think? 
I don't know what made me think of this. I mean, you know, it, it sounds like you're the type of person, if you're going to do something, you sort of go all in, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there risk associated with that? Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for that, Alfie. Um, yeah, there is. It's, uh, you know, I might be, could be a bit of burnout. Yeah. <laughs> and it's happened, don't get me wrong, but I think that's just you try to do it all too. And it's not because you you, you need to do it all. Like it's just your personality. Unfortunately, you can't control, like you can control it. Like you can say, I don't need to do everything, but I'm just... <laughs> I feel bad saying this an extremist. It's like all or nothing. Yeah. And it really is. I'm like, it's there's no gray matter for me, unfortunately. I can't really find middle ground. I don't it's know. It's all or nothing. <laughs> no, but I, I try to balance it out. I try, but um it, yeah, I'm one it's either I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm lazy or something like that. Like, but then there's sometimes where you just you just don't want to do anything and it's fine. You're allowed yeah. to. And then there's other times that you'll just go hundred uh, percent full speed ahead. That's just me. Yeah, and we all, everyone, everyone's different. You're, you're in good company because I, I cool. I, my, my thing is I go until I go until my body says, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little annoyed with you right now. <laughs> yeah. And and if you're not going to stop, I'm going to make you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think I've uh, I've gone through that many times. <laughs> I, and, and I keep wanting to say, well, you know, as I get older, I get I'm wiser and I'm better at that. Well, and yeah. it's really not true. Uh, but you know, I don't know. Maybe before I'm seventy, I'll learn. I mean, who the hell knows? <laughs> anyway, love it. We'll keep me posted. Yeah, keep me I will. posted. <laughs> so we're at the portion of the program yeah. where I like to ask people some hot seat questions. Oh. And I think we just had a couple actually. <laughs> Inadvertently. <It's> all right. <laughs> um we just did a couple. Yeah, cool. But yeah. these are I love these questions because they're they're interesting and, and people come up with all sorts of things. So the first one is tell me about some hidden skill or talent or, or something that not very many people know about you, some hidden talent or skill that you possess? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I know for me to think this long clearly is not much skill. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, no. Um, yeah. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to... Or a hobby or something you're interested in or... Yeah, I'm... I'm well, I... I used to be a professional swimmer. Ah. So, yeah, so that's... For how long? Uh, like, and I... Yes, yeah, so I did it up until I was 18. And um, one of the things... Uh, I'm glad that you did ask that in the sense and now I'm glad I actually said swimming because uh, I did that from four, mm -hmm. right? So I'm quite old now. <laughs> and But I think it put a lot of um, discipline discipline mm -hmm. on me as a as a kid and when I say that just meaning you're it's a competitive sport and when you're as well performing at such a level your coaches don't see you as a kid or any, nothing in a bad way it just means you're out there to do it do it when you're saying you're doing a job and you're trying to you know get results and or, or win and that's I mean I mean you'd get yelled at told sure. off you have to build up that that uh so i think uh you know one of my secret weapons is in the sense i can handle you know like criticism um i can i'm pretty tough in that sense of you know you and i'm not saying you have to be but you've got to be to a point too in this in these industries uh 
because it's tough yeah. out there sometimes too, man. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, and I think uh, that foundation of from a young age having that discipline uh, from from swimming really taught me on how to be able to handle and carry my own. So I think that from a from a you know personal hobby perspective, but um, also. I used to play the piano, uh, so very cool. Uh, that I can't sing, but um, I used to play the piano, and that would be something that you definitely wouldn't be able to find. Do you still play? Uh, I could pick it up, but no, I don't play. But uh, yeah, I think music is a big part of, and I'm not just saying music. You know, put your headset on, and I think uh, how music makes me feel is a really big. Uh, I'm all yeah. about emotions, man. If, like massive emotions and I think it just reflects oh, on yeah. the things that I like too. So oh, yeah. I, I can't, I can't listen to a piece of music without having an emotional event. It's not possible. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think, yeah. So, um, and that, and I'm, and I, I think I'm a clean freak. That would be something like, I'm like massively clean, <laughs> massively OCD issues. Yeah, I don't know. I aspire to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's the situation. It's very cool. So you just, that, that was okay. You just laid out three or four things right there. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Seeing you thought you didn't have an answer. So let's talk about music. Uh, yeah. let's, let's have a music question since you went yeah. there. And this is one of my all time favorites because cool. it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> if you were stranded on the proverbial desert island, um, but somehow managed to have electricity where you could listen to music. And you were only allowed, only able to have one album, one, one record, one collection of tracks with you to listen to for the rest of your conceivable life. What would it be? Man, I wanted to go to buy Spotify, but um, damn, I'm a, I'm a soul. Like I think I said earlier, like, and that's why I love using the word preach. I'm a soulful mm-hmm. person. Like, uh, I don't want to sit here and say Aretha Franklin, but like the genres of that, the 50s, 60s, soulful music. If I had a playlist of, of just that music, mm-hmm. 20 songs, I mean, there's that really sings to me. Yeah. That's depth. <laughs> That's emotional there. Like, I mean, because it could be grooving, then it could be a bit more of a, you know, feeling. Um, and then some of it, like, again, it's each to their own. It, it can make me dance, but some people don't see it as a dancing type type of music. But yeah, soul, that soul. Um, Any particular artist or album that is sort of a constant for you, never lets you down? Oof. Yeah, it's just more like a, a DJ that plays that sort of style. Um, and that's Louis Vega. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but uh-huh. he's always a constant. I could go back to his music uh-huh. that he's created and he uses those sort of samples uh, from soul and uh latino music and that yeah i could listen to his music on repeat uh awesome. no issue there so louis vega hands down if any of you have heard of it <laughs> i haven't but now i'm gonna i wrote it down i'm gonna actually gonna check it out cool no check very, it out very cool yeah all right finally mm. what, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to either a young person sort of breaking into this field or someone who moves maybe at a career crossroads, right? And they're thinking of, of changing careers either way. Cause to me, they're, they're sort of the same thing. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice you would give to somebody wanting to do this, this kind of work? Yeah. It's funny. Funny. You even asked that I'm talking, or I have been talking to a friend going through this career change mm-hmm. situation. Um, and it's been very complex for, for this person. 
And I've said to them, just make sure you know that this uh, this is what you want to do. And you're not you're not just doing something for the sake of doing something. Like I I listen to a lot of Gary Venus. Uh, I really love him for the way that do things because you want to do it, or it it has when I say meaning to you that it brings you joy to that mm-hmm. point. Um, and if it's when I say career change, meaning if you've always wanted to be, or if you've loved photography and that's what you'd ended up, you're wanting to change and do it, do it because that's what makes you happy. Don't, you know, and like we've been speaking about, uh, the stuff that I do, it makes me happy. Yeah, I love what I do. So make sure there's that element that when you go home at the end of the day, are you going to feel good about what you were able to achieve in that day? Or, you know, even though, as we said, we get frustrated at so many things, we were saying we love it. I love it. You've got to have that element of you love what you do. Um, so just make sure that, it, you know, you're true to yourself and that, you know, it's something that you can be happy to to talk about. Because I talk about what I do all the time. So, you know, I, 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 again, going back to what I've said, it's a part of me. So I think you really need to, instead of it being, oh, yeah, that's just what I do for work. That's just my job. No, I think it needs, I think it's yeah. different now. Uh, so I'd yeah, say that's that. a required mm. element to being a preacher. Mm. <laughs> yeah, man. Cool. Preach. <laughs> Love it. Yes. <laughs> Helen, I cannot thank you enough cool. for your time today. This was a phenomenal conversation. Really, truly enjoyed every minute. Dude, that was awesome. Thank you so much and always happy to come back and have another chat, uh, please. I would love that. Awesome. Take care of yourself. Have a great rest of the week. Cool. And uh, hopefully our paths will cross again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. That wraps up this edition of Making UX Work. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope that hearing these stories gives you some useful perspective, some encouragement. And I certainly hope that you remember that you are not alone out there. Whatever you're dealing with, someone else has been there. And just like you will, they have found a way to make it work. Before I go, I want to ask you to please check out our sponsor, Stash Studio. Once again, a streetwear clothing brand focused on quality products with a positive message, inspired by the resilience to turn a negative situation into a positive outcome. Visit stash.studio to learn more. I also want you to know that you can find links to our guests' social media profiles, websites, and other things that they have accomplished by visiting givegoodux.com slash podcast, where you will also find links to more UX resources on the web and social media, along with ways to contact me if you're interested in sharing your own story here. Until next time, this is Joe Natoli reminding you that it is people like you that make UX work.